A reading from the book of Amos. Hear this word that the Lord has spoken against you, O people of Israel, against the whole family that I brought up out of the land of Egypt. You only I have known of all the families of the earth. Therefore, I will punish you for all your iniquities. Now a reading from the Gospel according to Mark. Then Jesus' mother and his brothers came, and standing outside, they sent to him and called him. A crowd was sitting around him, and they said to him, Your mother and your brothers and sisters are outside asking for you. And he replied, Who are my mother and my brothers? And looking at those who sat around him, he said, Here are my mother and my brothers. Whoever does the will of God is my brother and sister and mother. And a reading from the letter to the Galatians. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked, for you reap whatever you sow. If you sow to your own flesh, you will reap corruption from the flesh. But if you sow to the Spirit, you will reap eternal life from the Spirit. So let us not grow weary in doing what is right, for we will reap at harvest time if we do not give up. So then, whenever we have an opportunity, let us work for the good of all, and especially for those of the family of faith. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, the family of God, that is who we are. We each have our own family of origin, and sometimes we even admit that some of those around us are our family. Mark Twain, I'm sure you're familiar with his old saying that when he was 14, he, his father was so ignorant, I couldn't, he said I couldn't even stand to be around him. And by the time I was 21, I just could not believe how much he had learned in seven years. <laughs> Families are an interesting collection of people, whether it is your family of origin or those uh, in a bigger group like this. But we are called to be the family of God. We often worry about things I think simply because in our worldview we want to make sure everything is in order and it's not unusual for us to think about, well, how, how is our family doing? And, and you know, we worry about our uh, parents and um, we worry about our children and, and their, ch you know, we kind of worry about the, all these things and it's not unusual for us to be wise in what we do. And a husband and wife had gotten together um, for this purpose. They were, they were thinking we really need a living will or trust. And so they sat down together. They thought this is the best way that we can really help with our future and our kids' future. And the husband said to her, uh, just so you know, I never want to be in a vegetable state, dependent on some machine and fluids from a bottle. If that ever happens to me, just pull the plug. She kind of looked at him and she said, well, are you really sure that this is what you want to do? And he said, yes. So she gets up, she unplugs the TV, and she throws out all the beer in the house. <laughs> so 
so this morning when I'm trying to practice this, I keep laughing, and I go, I have to practice this because it makes me laugh. So, anyway. of course, the family of God is bigger, greater, more effective than just our living will. God has a living will for us, and that is a living trust in Him and to do His will as a people of God. These three very, um, really short passages, in a way. Are, um, they have something, all of them, in common with each other, some explicit, some more implicit. I want to walk through those, and as I look out and see uh, a number of you who attend Bible studies, God bless you, and if it's a refresher course, I hope it helps you go deeper in the Word. But of these three passages, there are some similarities, and the similarities are this. Iniquities, I use a, such a nice word for sin, our iniquities, our identity, the second one, and third is our engagement. And those are the three things I just want to look at briefly this morning. Amos was a prophet, 8th century, that came um, and was asked by God to bring the word. So he goes to places where the people are gathered. And that is the one thing about the family of God. They always gather together. They worship together. They have life together. That is the best thing we can learn is the gathering together that we have. But he is speaking to them and he reminds them of who they are and what they have done where he uses God is going to punish you for your iniquities. Sounds kind of scary. But see, these were a group of people who during this time were very affluent. They were not being bothered by Egypt or by Babylon or especially by Assyria, which was their worst enemy. They had like 40 years of reprieve from that. And so they had this great time of rest and wonderful. And what they did with that is that they, they put their government together. Of course, the government was a little bit swayed towards those who were wealthy. And those who were wealthy just accumulated a little bit more wealth for themselves, but at the huge expense of the poor and the oppressed, the widows, the children, those who were without. And God saw this and saw their sins. So he sends Amos to remind them of their sin, of who they are, and what to expect. And he does it with very concise way of saying, um, this is who you are and this is what you've done. Now, when our kids were young, and especially when I grew up, my folks would always ask me where I was, even though they knew where I was and even though I knew I wasn't supposed to be there. So as far as I was concerned, there was a great opportunity to practice lying because <laughs> you would be in trouble. So the one thing we learned is we, we kind of took that off the plate for our kids. We said, we saw you here. You're not supposed to be here, so why are you there? And then, of course, they would be disciplined on according to whatever that was. But Amos kind of does the same thing. He's not asking them, gee, have you sinned in any way, or what are you doing wrong? He kind of has already unpacked that in the first two chapters. And then he goes back to remind them of who God is. That's the important thing is. Just remember, the one God of, of which we're a part 
has done this for you. He called you. It is a covenant. You have been from the covenant of Abraham, and God has adopted you, calling you his own family. He has redeemed you. The kids just heard about that. He took the people out of Egypt. He redeemed them. And then he said, and you alone have I known as family. You're special to me. Tell them those things. You are called only you, my family. And you've just blown that off in your behavior by not caring for that which is just, by not taking care of the poor, by accumulating more wealth, and by making a political system that is unjust and unfair, except to you and what you want and need. Therefore, God will punish you for your iniquities. Well, so let's go to Mark. And Jesus, the whole chapter of Mark, it's very interesting because it begins with Jesus healing somebody with a withered hand. He casts out demon. He preaches the gospel. He's close to his hometown, and his mother and brothers hear about it, and they're very, very nervous because people are saying Jesus is out of his mind. And right before they show up to see him, you have the scribes who are arguing with them. What you're doing, your healing has to be from Satan. It has to be from Beelzebub because that's way just too powerful. And Jesus is having a discussion with them. Why in the fact when something evil, try and cast out something evil? You don't, that's a house divided. Kind of like these guys. You, know, you would never do that. I come from the Father, and that's what bothered people. And so his mother and brothers have come to see him because people have said he's out of his mind. Kind of infers that they kind of want to gather him around, protect him. Come on, Jesus, let's, let's walk away from some of what you're doing here. They arrive and they are on the outside. Now this is his family. They're on the outside. And Jesus is on the inside with all these people sitting around. I'm just wondering if sometimes as Christians, we even stand on the outside, like not quite engaging in where we're invited to go with Jesus. Like just playing it safe back here. Just gonna stand and kind of watch and observe. Jesus, we, can, can you come here? They're outside and here Jesus is. And someone comes and says, hey, look, there's your mother and your brothers. And that's a, like, right now they just showed up. And Jesus is looking at those who are sitting around him. And he's saying, who are my brothers and my mother? And as he looks at them, he goes, these are my brothers and my sisters and my mother. Those who obey the will of God are my brothers mother and brothers and sisters. That's our identity, folks. We can do a lot of great things in life, but our identity first and foremost is that we are part, as Christians, life together, family of God. That's how we move, that's who we are, that is our identity. I know Jesus, I'm part of his family. I sent an email, which I thought was really late last night and this morning as I sent it off to Neil, go, oh, so sorry, I meant to send this 
earlier to you, but I said, Brother Neil, because he is my brother in Christ. You know, we look around, it's my sister Pat over there. I'm not naming all of you, but you're all brothers and sisters. <laughs> not naming all of you, but you're all brothers and sisters. In Christ, that's our identity. Our identity is that we are this family called together. And what makes us a family? Those who do the will of God. And it begs the question, what is the will of God? What was the sin of Israel? They forgot their first love, right? To love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength and to love your neighbor, however poor, however oppressed, however in need, love them as you love yourself. So Jesus is saying, my family is those who do the will of God. Then we go to Galatians. Each one of these are kind of edgy. Each one of these has this, this disobedience, like you're not quite getting it, folks. And yet there Jesus said, here's, here's who you are and what you do. So Paul was kind of a uh, uh, in-your-face pastor. You know, he's, he, he wouldn't be called great at pastoral care, really, because he's, he's like, do this, or why aren't you doing this? But he has, he's just trying to help this new church. And it's a community. It is the family of God, and they've grown together. But they have lost their way a little bit because they're no longer depending on the Spirit. They kind of are out there doing things they shouldn't do. And he tells them, don't be deceived. Don't be daft. Don't be dumb about what you're doing. Don't, don't try and mock God. Do you actually think that those things that you sow, you're going to reap that are good when you're not doing what God wants? Sow the seeds of the Holy Spirit. You who are sowing bad seeds, change that. Sow good seeds. And he moves from singular, if you look back in the Scripture text there. You don't you sow seeds so that you might reap bad, but sow good seeds, the seeds of the Holy Spirit, the seeds of righteousness. And then he moves to as we do that, as we sow those seeds of righteousness, we show God to the world. We care for one another. They're good things, a harvest, a good harvest, a full harvest, that the world and each other knows that love, that companionship, the fellowship that we have with one another. Remember that our true identity is in Christ. We will have things that come and go in life. But our identity as a family of God is in Christ Jesus. We worry about people. Oh, I don't know, you know, they're, they're alone now, or I don't, I don't know, you know, they've, they're, they've lost their job, or, you know, I, I, I've been there. It's not, an, it's not an easy thing. But bottom line, my identity is in Christ. And out of that, my engagement with God and, if the world, and with the world is based on my relationship with a family of God called to be out and in the world together. Now here's my two minute and I'm preaching to the choir. I'm literally preaching to the choir. The most important thing that we do as a family of God is come together for worship. 
It absolutely is because it's what fills your cup, what sends you out. Old Testament, New Testament, they gathered together. They broke bread. They fellowshiped. I know that Neil's in, involved in a covenant group. I'm in a covenant group. Jack's in a covenant group. And every time we meet, I can, I'm not with your group, but when, every time I meet with my group, we always worship together first and foremost. We sing songs to the Lord. We pray. We read scripture. We have that fellowship as a family of God. That is the best thing that we can do because when we do that, our cup is full. We feel a new holy presence and we're ready to go out because Paul said, care for all people and especially those in the family of faith. Don't forget anyone. It's a both and kind of thing. But when we come to worship, and my question is, and I asked it the other day too, how many of you grew up in the church? Did my e-blast, total disclosure. How many of you raised your children in the church? How many of your children are still in church? Good. Some of our children have great faith. I told a story, Corinna is going to plant with purpose. She's gotten what I affectionately call heathens from her work, so not yet believers, followers, family of God, Christians. They're all civil engineers are all great, but she's gathered them together and she's told them about Plant With Purpose. This is a Christian organization. They do this because they believe in creation care, that what God gives us, we should take care of, and we should help people do that, and we should see things going on there. But she is not here. And Jordan is working. He always says, have fun at churchy poos. And he goes off to work. But there's something about wanting our children to come back to worship. Oh, Lord, that's the best thing that we can do in showing them what the family of God is about. Because when we do that, then we face the iniquities in our lives. And when we come as a family of God, we understand clearly as we look around our identity in Christ as a family together. And we more effectively engage as a family why do we trust that we're going to let our senior pastor go to Iraq? Because we trust the larger family of God that together we can do great things for the Lord because it's the will of God that we should love God with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength and love our neighbor as ourselves. Amen. Amen.